This is Gratitude Unfiltered. I am your host, Joshua T. Berglund, and I am so happy to be back at it. I, it after a week off, it's, I, I, wow, there's been so much that's, that's gone on. And we won't go into all that right now. We'll save that for a different night. But it was a very special week of rest and, and, and a lot of spending time with God and just some really amazing breakthroughs. Um, it was awesome. It was just an awesome week. Had my first fast. Um, that was a little intense, um, but I think I can go more hardcore next time. And I get the, I totally get fasting now. It totally makes sense to me. Um, it never made sense before, but it does now. What's up, Kimberly? Good to see you. So guys, um, we right now, I'm again, so happy. You guys all know the news already. Right now, this is on the Binge Network that you can find on Amazon Fire. Uh, Roku, Apple TV, Google Podcast, any of your smart TVs. And of course, if you have Amazon Fire or the Binge app, you can also access the show. So you can watch it on TV, you can watch it on your phone, you can listen to the podcast version if you're still using iHeartRadio and Spotify and Stitcher. It's pretty cool. Like, this show is a radio show, a podcast, a TV show, and it's a blog too. Kind of fun, kind of fun. And so you guys all made it possible. And as promised, no matter what, we're always going to find our way to Facebook because without Facebook, uh, without Facebook, this would not have ever have happened. I'm so grateful for Facebook Live. Facebook Live spawned so many different ideas and this is like just the surface level of it. But being able to do that and then treating it like it was a real show a year and six months ago and what that manifested and created in my life is just a humbling blessing. Like, I'm so grateful for that. And the, the direction the show is going is that from now on, for the, most, for the most part, we're going to be interviewing the heads of nonprofits from around the world. Because, and I don't care how big or small it is, we're going to check them out, make sure they're legit. But we want to give everyone a fair opportunity to be able to get their message out because a lot of these bigger, these larger nonprofits, they kind of have a monopoly on it. You know, they can do all the marketing, they can throw the fancy parties, they can get people, they can get people to, to give them money a lot easier because they can run these hardcore campaigns that the smaller nonprofits that are probably more important, I'm sorry, but they're probably more important. And someone could probably correct me but I think some of these smaller nonprofits deserve some love. They deserve some global exposure because you never know who's in the audience that's watching that very well could be the resource they need to become that big nonprofit. So that's the direction of Gratitude Unfiltered now that we're on TV. And it's like official, official because we're on TV now talking to TV audience, podcast audience, radio audience, Facebook, YouTube, and streaming networks. God bless. Anyway, I'm excited about our guest. Um, our guest was referred to me through a friend that I just randomly met that is one of the most interesting and brilliant people that I've ever met. And then all of a sudden she started telling me about these friends she had that were all so freaking fascinating. So we have some really cool guests coming up this month. Um, of just really interesting people that I think are going to blow y'all's mind. And the first one, our first guest, I'm excited about because he write, he has this incredible blog, and we're going to go into it. It's called How a Real Warrior Dates a Woman. As you watch the show, the we did the whole warrior series of shows talking about what it's like to, to be a true warrior. And that was a lot of fun, and that came from the Way of the Warrior book by Erwin McManus, and those were a lot of those were fun shows. So this hit home for me when I was reading this, and so I want to talk to him about that. But the guy's got an incredible story. Um, 
So ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, your, his bio is in the comments, but I want to get to know in the bio. Let's get into this. Let's have some fun. And as always, uh, you can join us, uh, audience eliciting everywhere else. You can join us live at facebook.com slash gratitude unfiltered. You can join the audience here. We can all communicate. People ask questions. It's very interactive if you're new to the show. Questions, comments, criticism, whatever. Networking, everyone plug your plug your businesses, plug your shows in the comments. You guys network with each other. All that's available here. Use it, utilize it. It's a lot of fun. So ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, please welcome Mr. Ali Zane to the show. What's up, my man? What's up, man? I am so stoked to be here. Thank you Very for having me. You. And, uh, you know, your show is amazing. What you're up to is, you know, it, it just opens up my heart. And, uh, you know, what you shared about nonprofits is something that really resonates with me as well, too. So thank you for taking that flag and bearing it forward. Well, I appreciate that. Do you want to expand upon what that, you know, how that resonated with you? Absolutely. So, you know, I, I actually feel like the larger nonprofits, you know, perhaps, you know, they're, they're kind of lumbering through bureaucracy. And, you know, there's a lot of money around, but there is just not enough money being channeled towards effective, um, you know, avenues that actually do impact. So, um, you know, I've, I, I, I mentor youth as well too. And in downtown LA, you know, all these homeless shelters, they have a lot of money, but they don't have effective programs that actually take people and transform their lives. So it's almost like people are, um, you know, to, to, for lack of a better word, you know, they're, they're almost dependent on handouts and we're not really empowering them just because the nonprofit industry is kind of, you know, there's a monopoly by all these big, um, you know, nonprofit, uh, nonprofits out there. So it's something that I, I pretty much feel very strongly about. And the people that have the answers don't have the, the funding, I feel. It's and the irony and how I can relate to that in a very strange way is I've worked in skincare and cosmetics for a long mm. time. You got beautiful skin, man. Out here in California. <laughs> and it's, which surprises people still, but that's how I actually, I got out here. But it's, it's always the, the little, the little small company that spent all of their money on research and development mm. and making the finest quality product money could buy, but they don't have the money to market it. And then the people they're competing against make these crap products filled with chemicals and junk and like poor quality ingredients, do some fake studies, heavily market it, play on people's psyche about looking beautiful and, you know, losing 20 years on their age, like they lose out to those companies. And I've, I've always been one of those people that I want to fight for the people that, or the, I, I want to be a voice for the voiceless, but I want to fight for the people that can't fight for themselves mm. or maybe don't know they can fight for themselves. Mm. And sometimes they're both, it's kind of the, the same level of despair, mm. but I want to help those people. So it's really, really funny. It's the little guy. And I see how these corporations have, have really taken advantage of their power. And it's terrifying because that's, that's who controls the world. So I think the more, more of us that can rally around these small nonprofit, these small mom and pop companies, the more that we can get behind them and support them, when it's justified, we should do it. Absolutely. And isn't that, you know, the same for life? If we look at, I feel personally, I feel like if we look at world leadership today, for instance, right, the people that are stepping up are not the people that, that should be leading us. And the people that have the answers don't have the means or, you know, they somehow haven't figured out the avenue or the drive to do so. So, um, you know, one of my teachers at Berkeley, you know, used to always say famously is that the kid that's quiet in the room, that's the kid that has the answer. <laughs> Isn't that true though? Isn't it true? Man. Um, so listen, man, I, you got a lot going on here. This is really interesting what you do. Why don't you tell the world what you're up to, like what, you, what you're creating in the world? Yeah, so for me, I feel so strongly about, you know, the fact that we are, you know, as male men and women, we're connecting on such a superficial level. We have dating apps that are taking over our lives and they're chipping away at our self-esteem as well too. And, you know, 
today we have the means to connect with so many people and yet you know there we have the large we have the smallest proportion of americans uh, i'm not sure what the stat is around the world but we have the smallest smallest portion, proportion of americans in relationships today even though we have access to you know we can travel more we could connect more through social media we have all these apps and you know multiple people that we could date that you know at the touch of a fingertip so i'm trying to figure out what this you know what this all stems from and i feel a lot of it is just this unconsciousness but at the same time there's a part you know on the other polarity there is you know just some of us who are searching for deep meaning in relationships so our expectations have grown tremendously as well too so on one on one end there's a part of us that knows more than ever who we're supposed to be with and then there's this other part that's you know that's feeding into our attractions of deprivation as it may be so you know i'm trying to solve that problem i feel very very deeply about that because me as a 40 year old man you know i've always wanted to be you know to have the fulfilling relationship the soulmate or what have you and then i you know my journey was you know i got into this very unconscious way of way of being and uh coming out full circle from that you know uh was very very helpful and it transformed my life in such an amazing way that i felt like i was called to teach that to men although this is not what i wanted to do but i remember sitting at a men's circle and all of them sharing issues around how screwed up their sex life is how they can't get over you know the need for casual sex and validation and i'm like man these guys have been at it for 20 30 years and they're supposedly my mentors but i actually have the answer and it means that i've been quiet here and not sharing this gift that i have so that's kind of what you know prompted me forward my background's actually in you know um in peace and conflict resolutions and you know international relations that's what my degree was but i felt like what? here's a calling that you know that actually you know is calling me forward and it's out of responsibility that i do this not out of ego or not out of that the fact that i get a blast doing it it's like i have to do this you said something back to this relationship uh stuff typically a calling is born out of some type of tragedy or trauma or something like that is that is that what got you into this yeah absolutely um so my story is you know um i'm 40 years old i came to the u.s from pakistan i was uh, 19 at the time so when i came here I, I felt totally out of place in society i was the guy at a party that'd be you know that would fit the description of the wallflower i couldn't talk to guys i couldn't talk to women i had like this crippling social anxiety um and at the same time in my professional life i was doing okay you know i was making decent money um uh, you know i was in the car business and what have you but when it came to socially connecting with people um you know on a social level not on a professional level i was just out of my depth so for two three years i was trying to figure out hey you know how do i like get over this like i you know there's a part of me that you know always is attracted to the things that make me feel insufficient and to somehow overcome those you know kind of find the hero's journey as maybe uh, and what have you so when that happened you know i got into this quest of well how do i become socially more proficient how do i connect with people and finally i start going out with this girl that all of a sudden i'm really into and I've, I've been raised by women, so I, I've always held women in very high regard, you know, never called a woman a bitch, you know, never really thought that woman could do anything wrong. And this woman that, you know, I was kind of, you know, leering, I, I thought that I was very connected with, was a genuine human being, uh, we're dating and she ends up sleeping with my boss, who's like this total player. And I'm like, man, like, this is a woman that I'm thinking that could bear my children. And this is what happened. So I had like this fuck everything you know and i'm just not giving a shit anymore moment and i hadn't lost my lost my virginity at the time i was 23 years old and then like something just clicked and i just kind of like started um you know the warrior in me came out but at the same time it was a toxic warrior as it may be so within the first mm -hmm. year i ended up you know having a primal, a primal warrior yes i would say so the shadow warriors they call it an <laughs> right 
And, um, you know, the first year I ended up sleeping with, a, you know, I think it was like six or seven women. And, you know, I would, I was going out of parties and overcoming my fear, but it was out of shame, insufficiency and hurt. And over the next 10 years, I mean, I had maybe 70, 80 one night stands. And there was a part of me that I was trying to heal. And I remember after I was 32, I was like, you know, I always wanted to find the woman of my dreams. Where did it go wrong? And I never, ever thought it was linked to that one girl. Mm-hmm. I, I don't even remember feeling heartache over her. All I remember was that I just got over her and that was it. But now that I look back, you know, when I found out that she was seeing somebody else, you know, I remember that I actually, you know, kind of like, you know, staked out her house to find out if it was real. So I was, so, so the behaviors that I look back on, they were pretty traumatic, right? It was somebody who's, oh, somebody who's heartbroken by it. I but I was stomach hurt. Oh, God. Yeah. So, uh, but to me, it never, it never occurred that I was in love with this girl and my heart was really broken. To me, it was just like, oh, yeah, I just find out that the world, you know, acts in, you know, a way that is not aligned with who I am and I need to change. But, um, but yeah, so coming back full circle, I, you know, I now kind of feel, you know, years later, it was a mutual friend of mine that told me that, well, she was in love with you as well. I'm like, what? It's like, yeah, she, oh, no. and, uh, that kind of made me think that, okay, what was it? Like, I couldn't express myself in a proper way to her. She thought that I was not into her, you know, all those things. So, um, so anyways, after in my mid thirties, I, um, I remember, um, you know, I had, I could date whoever I wanted, the woman that, you know, that I dreamed of when I was 22 and 23. And I was just not happy. And there were partners around available anytime I wanted. And, you know, women that would have casual sex with me. And part of me was like, it just was taking something out of my soul. So um, finally, I meet this, I meet this woman. And, um, you know, I'm not all the way in. It's just, you know, she's two or three years older than I am. And she has kids. And she's not the woman that I envisioned I'd be with but I'm developing feelings for her. And um, she was really, really gung ho. And she's like, let's do this, you know? And, um, and for me, I was kind of hesitant. And I remember the tide started changing. I started feeling something towards her. And I, for the first time in my life, I'm like, you know, I'm actually falling in love with somebody after 12 or 13 years. And I was 35 at the time. And I remember sharing this with her. And like two weeks later, she's like, Ali, I have to tell you something. I found somebody else. And I'm like, and I'm like, I would do this to all the women for the last 12 years. And, you know, the only woman that I seem to be connected with after 12 years, you know, find somebody else. I'm like, wow. Oh, hurts. Yeah. So that actually, that actually, uh, at that point, I'm like, you know what? It's time for an inward journey. I went celibate for two or three years. And my friends were having a fit because they're like, oh, you're, you know, this guy who's professional with women and you're talking about being celibate. What the fuck is wrong with you? And, um, and I fought this so much with even women that would approach me, even my closest friends, because they just couldn't understand why I needed to be celibate. And they're like, well, you're closed off. I'm like, no, I need to see what's here. And this is before, you know, now, now we have like this no fap movement where no masturbation, no chasing girls to cleanse yourself. That movement was not there at that time. So I just felt like this deep spiritual calling that I need to go within. And, um, and I was a guy that, you know, prior to being celibate, I was just not even enjoying sex. You know, any amount of sex was not fulfilling for me. And, uh, you know, I got into, into some kind of, con- I, I got into the principle of tantric sex. And, you know, right now, fast forward, you know, m- sex is like the most spiritual, wholesome, transformative experience for me. Like I, you know, the last woman that I was dating, I'd say we would have sex for like, the entire weekend for 15 hours and it would just open up our hearts in such an amazing way that I'd come home and I'm like, did did this just happen? So, you know, my transformation in that sense has been so profound that I could connect with, you know, everybody that's been going through the struggle and offer some, offer some of, you know, the techniques that I used and the wisdom that, that I gained during this 15 year period. So, 
you know, a lot of men speak about how they're not fulfilled in their sex lives in, with women or, you know, the single guy that looks looks at a woman walking down the street and all he can think is about, you know, having to sleep with her. So, like, how do we deal with those desires in a healthy way? Uh, some of us retreat and we suppress them and we can't express our desire and other men are too toxic, right? You know, we, we could talk about the Trumps and the Harvey Weinsteins of the world. Like, that's actually, you know, the toxic expression of sexuality and using the power dynamic that they've, um, you know, that they've developed. So it's all, about, in my opinion, it's all about coming to balance, really, is that on one hand, we have men that are too shameful and so forth and women, and they're the nice, they're the nice guys. And on the other hand, the guys that are jerks and assholes are the ones that are able to attract women. And even women are frustrated about this. And, you know, men are too, you know, the ones that you know, that are the nice guys that are at the right place in life, but just don't know how to communicate with women in an authentic way. And, um, and I think Me Too is the perfect culmination of it. It's just a symptom of Me Too is not about women. It's about men. It's about men not understanding women. And even when I feel men or men are who are scared of Me Too and say Me Too has gone too far, the, you know, my, my answer to that is that, you know, feelings are real. You know, we could talk about, you know, if this was needed or not, but this is what's happening. How do you deal with it? And just to say that it's an overreaction is, as I feel, you know, letting go of an opportunity. And I feel, you know, Me Too is, is a calling for men to step up. It's a cry for connection on part of women. It's not about, you know, um, disposing of men. It's about calling us forward to have a more conscious connection. And I feel many men in the conscious community don't know what to make of that. Um, and, you know, I've, I've, you know, some of my conscious mentors always talk about, well, this is going too far. Well, it's, it's, it's a time to actually heal, to, to actually for us to stand for women. But no one would pay attention if it was a subtle, if it was a subtle swing, if it was a subtle mm -hmm. movement, no one would pay attention. Yeah. It's kind of like we hear the words, molested, rape, mental illness, it doesn't mean anything because it's just a word. Hmm. It doesn't invoke a feeling anymore. That's why like, to be, like there's times on the show like we'll go in really deep about this because if you don't feel it, there'll be no change. And the Me Too movement had to go to the extreme hmm. because it, it, it will settle the balance back and, and men get to respect women for the warriors and the queens that they are because that's what they were created to be. I mean, look, we men have certain strengths and powers that women don't have, but man, I gotta tell you something. <laughs> what women can do, I wouldn't, I can, yeah, no. That's a whole, like, we were really meant to be equal. I, I just, I believe that in a, in a very shared, very shared, beautiful role. And I love the fact that the pendulum is swinging back the other way. And I do think that to get people's attention, it had to be extreme. Mm. So I'm happy about all this. I really yeah. am. Yeah, I so am I. I absolutely agree with you. It's like, you know, we look at the civil rights movement and we look at what spawned out of the, out of the civil rights, right? You look at, uh, you know, the Black Panther Party and what have you. So it was just a reaction to the suppression. And it's going to come back full circle. And I'm really, really confident and hopeful about the future. It just needs to be channeled the, the right way. And we need to realize that we need to believe that it it is there for a reason. And it's calling for us to come forward, not for us to actually become marginalized. Man, and, and, and here's the thing, even with what you're saying and then allowing the, the Me Too, but the Me Too movement is really a part of every movement that's happened in society to talk about what you were saying with civil rights. It really has been a breakdown in communication and a breakdown in, in love and acceptance. It's it's so far away from love and becoming more self-absorbed as a yeah. as a globe. I, I I can only speak for the United States, really, but we're pretty self-absorbed people here. Mm -hmm. I mean, we do have some very kind souls, but we are. It's getting dangerous. I mean, hence why the dating apps and things like that. It's it's very very superficial. We're, and we're becoming more desperate for love. Ironically, the further away from love we get. And I, I think that that is part of like this moral decline that is happening. And we're so desensitized to things. And I really do feel like, though, there is, being, there is a shift happening 
where love is about to start winning in a big, big way. Absolutely, man. And you know, I, you know, not I actually could take a man's perspective as well too. And let me speak to that. You know, as um, you know, my father left when I was four years old. He had you know, very feminine energy. My stepdad was this like hyper masculine male. And the only advice I got from him was $20 to kiss every girl. I'll give you 10 bucks for every guy's ass you beat. That's all I got. Now, I was not proficient with girls, so I didn't know the first thing about kissing girls. And um, you didn't try the back. Tell me you tried the back of your hand, dude. You did. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I actually did. <laughs> I actually, as a matter of fact, bro, till this day, till this day, I get really flustered when a woman hits on me. I'm fine actually now, like expressing my desire, but when a woman's ready to kiss me, it's still like, you know, something in my gut just like turns. But, uh, but the fact is that there's missing wisdom. You know, we don't teach our boys about courtship. You know, I, I maybe meant, sometimes I mentor 17, 18 year old, year old boys. And I'm really concerned about how they court the women. My my niece is four years old, and you know I'm her god I'm her godfather. Uh-huh. In about you know 12 13 years, she's going to be going to prom. I want to have a conversation with a guy that takes her to prom, so that he can understand his desire. I don't want to be the guy that says that hey you know what, be angels yeah have fun and what have you, express yourself, be a man, but how to do it? I was not taught that. I was not taught how to emotionally and sexually connect with a woman in a conscious way. And, and for me, this is something that we should be teaching our boys in school because it's fine to say, you know, as far as the people that are having this conversation, they just talk about, well, be celibate, don't hit on women and what have you. Well, you know, kids are going to be kids. They are going to experiment. They're going to stumble through. And at least we could educate them. And, you know, and that also means that sometimes with my male clients, I'm educating 30, 40 year old guys about this. I want to and, talk to you about something really quick. I, I don't want to lose sight of this and we can, absolutely. we're going to segue back into what you're saying. Don't this hurt. is driving me crazy. One of the things that you talked about earlier when you went to that promiscuous stage yeah. uh, for the, like the seven years, I think you said, mm-hmm. um, more like 12, you talked about a piece of your soul was gone at the yeah. each, each time. Can you tell me why you didn't feel that way when you started sleeping with women from a more like a you you know you were being you're waiting for the connection or whatever that you were waiting for? Did, did you not feel like a piece of your soul was missing then? Well, more recently, after yeah, like the more recent. Now that you've gone gone through yeah. this, this okay. warrior phase, yeah. So I'll say this: before it was you know the first you know dozen odd partners that I have, it was validation. I'm like, I'm attractive enough. It's just, you know, like the Dalai Lama says that when you acquire something, you know, you will feel the initial high, but you'll come down to your baseline of self-acceptance and happiness pretty quickly. So just like millionaires, when they, when they achieve their first million and what have you, they pretty much feel hollow inside after a certain amount of time. So the same thing was happening with me. For me, it was, I was looking for validation that I'm attractive enough and um, that I'm a f- that I'm lovable, and that I couldn't find anywhere outside of me. You know, the first time I, you know, when I lost my virginity and the first few partners that I was with, that initial high was there, but it then it dissipates, and then it just becomes, well, this is what I w- that what I'm supposed to do. And um, but on the flip side, you know, now when I actually connect with somebody it's never about ego. I have, I don't do anything um, that panders to my sense of attraction um, and it's acceptance that I just always find in myself. So I'll give you this example, for instance. Okay, if a woman compliments me, all I tell myself is I'm just a man, that's it. If a woman compliments me on my good looks or how good I may be in bed, um, all I'm concerned about is how I connect with her and that's it. So for men, I think it's really 
you know, it just, it's just become a culture for us to seek acceptance outside of us when, and, you know, dating has become a form of validation. It's not a form of connection any longer for men and to some extent for women as well. So what's going on? Are you, I can, uh, you're cutting okay. off. I can All right. you. Yeah. I don't know what's going on, but anyway, okay. we'll, we'll continue. So I want to know though, because when is it for me, I, I get that connection. Like basically it's the connection of like, man, we have this wild chemistry. We had a great conversation and then we have this mind blowing sex. That's great. And it's like this temporary, it's this temporary feeling though. Cause yeah, it's like, Oh man, that was amazing. Even the next day you can go, Oh, that's amazing sex. That was so wonderful. But then it's like, okay, what is it? Why not? You talked about the value in being abstinent for two to three years. Mm -hmm. I forgot yeah. what you said. You mm -hmm. talked about that value. Why not wait even longer until you find that person that you really love and then you get married and then have sex? Like, why not? If you believe in that power of the abstinence from that long, why not see it through and wait till marriage? Yeah. Good question, Joshua. Um, I think everybody's journey has to be, you know, my journey is what I felt I needed. So for you, sure, maybe that. So I'm not here to to go ahead and promote that, you know, this is the process that I found. For for sure. some men, they need to go explore sexual intimacy. It's the opposite. And, you know, for me, that's what I found. And, you know, you're talking about waiting till marriage. For some people, that may be that may be the answer. So, um, so yeah, I think everybody has to go within and find out what is it that they really need. Yeah. And, um, I mean, for instance, I could, you know, for me, casual sex doesn't do it any longer. However, you know, I'm open, open to casual sex. If I feel it's an electric such a guy connection thing. that it's an electric so it's something electric that I will never forget. That's like saying I don't kiss on the first day. Okay. Unless if I have three drinks. So let me say this. So let me say this. Um, with me, it's, you know, I've had a one night stand where, you know, this happened like two years ago where I'm like, I woke up the next morning. I'm like, I'm not the same human being. I, I kid you not. I kid you not. This is. And. And and keep in mind that this is like after having 70 to 80 one night stands in my younger years. So so it was it was the intention with which I had it. And, you know, it was it was a spiritual experience for me. Like it was not really sex. It was a meditative heart opening experience. Now. On the contrary, I know you're cringing. <laughs> you I'm biting my knuckles right now because this is making me so uncomfortable because it's reminding me of the I was a monster with this stuff with sex, man. Like and and like to the it, I couldn't get enough, but I was mixing drugs and sex together. So it was Yeah, I, it's just, like yeah, it, absolutely. It, so, so go ahead and finish the thought. I'm sorry. So so let me just put it this way. When when I actually, you know, had this one night saying I had an intention and in which was, I'm going to be the most loving human being that I possibly can be. And it's all about her. And I want nothing from her, but just like to make her feel amazing. And that doesn't mean that I have to be the best that she's had. Are you saying this is what you wanted a girlfriend or a girl? No, this, was just, this was just like me, you know, coming out of celibacy. That's okay. really what, what that was. And I'm like, I want to explore intimacy, but I want it, want it to be in a respectful way. And me me and her both knew what it was. And, um, you know, it was something we communicated on such an amazing way. And then, you know, often with men, it's not about sex. It becomes about validation. We feel that, okay, I could, you know, like Bill Clinton said, you know, talked about Monica Lewinsky. Why did you do it? He's like, because I could. And it often yeah. becomes this um it often becomes this deprivation so you know like marcus aurelius you know who's the proponent of the uh, stoicism practice he basically talked about man is, is slave to something it could be women it could be power it could be sex it could be anything so once you figure out what you're slave to Jesus. and you take that out of your life for, uh, for a protracted amount of time 
you're going to change your relationship with it and you're going to attract what you really want out of it. And, you know, maybe power, maybe sex, maybe women, you're going to have, you're not going to be, you're not going to be coming from a place of lack and deprivation. And for me, sex was always coming from a place of lack and deprivation. God, I, you know, man, I'm still, I'm obsessed with the soul tie thing. And I, I talked about it a lot on the show. Okay. Like I've gone through, like to break, I've gone through processes to break soul ties and it to me is a very real thing. I mean, that's Talk to me about that. What, 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 are you, what are you talking about? So I'm going to, so one of the things that I'll, I love, oh good. I get to talk about this. So borderline personality disorder is something that usually it's, it's more common in women, but boys that are molested mm. uh, can also, can also get it. Okay. But it is, it's basically like taking on someone's demon. Um, a soul tie, the, the soul, the bad soul, the bad spirit that is in that person is a transfer of that. And yeah. so science has proved that when you have sex, you transfer DNA. Well, guess what goes with yes. DNA? Yes. So that's why I asked you, because you were talking about like a piece of your soul left when you were having sex with all these women. That's why I asked you, why is it not different now? Absolutely. Because it's a real freaking thing. And it affects yeah. you. Jacks you with your mind. Absolutely. It's a thing. Brother, I so connect with you because I used to talk about this heaviness that I felt after I had casual sex because I, I couldn't wait to like get out of that place, mm -hmm. get out of her place or for her to leave. That's uh, the even if, when you're stuck right? with the dog. Yeah, it's like you can't share what's happening. I said that. Sorry. Yeah. So, <laughs> I'm talking about my former life. Yeah, exactly. So I, I, I'll say this. Often it's your own demons and sometimes it's the other person's demons as well. And, you know, the way I even later on, what I started doing was I started expressing that, you know what, I'm feeling disconnected. I'm feeling this emotional heaviness. And that actually ended up being a point of connection with a woman. And because the thing that I was trying to hide so much that sex sometimes, you know, it's short circuits, especially great sex. After sex, sometimes men are figuring out, you know, what the meaning of life is because we've had this amazing experience and now every, all the passion, the lust has been drawn out of us. And women want to talk about deep issues and we're like, fuck, we just want to roll over and sleep. So, you know, our testosterone level really goes down after sex as well. And that happens in regular relationships, not just. I think I like to talk. Okay. Okay. So you're a unicorn. I like to talk now. <laughs> as well too. I... Yeah. Oh, that, that explains so much. Okay. But, but let me talk about, but let me talk about, you know, the sexual transfer of energy. You know, it's been proven that when you have sex with somebody, you're going to be exchanging gut bacteria. Believe that or not, this, the gut bacteria is affected by who you actually are intimate with. So now let's just put it this way. I attracted a certain kind of woman before. And now even, you know, the casual relationships that I've had, and there are very, very few, like in the last two or three years, I've had one or two of that. And um, there was like real women that, I attract, they're my mirrors in many ways. Uh, I feel closer to these women that I felt to women that I was in relationships for five or six months. So it's a different kind of connection and a different kind of human being that I attract now because sex is not out of lack. I could be totally fine being celibate the rest of my life. That's how complete I am. And it's never out of, you know, it's never out of the need for that. I need to have sex right now. It's like, well, if I desire it in a conscious way, then yes. You know what? Okay. That, that last statement, that makes sense. Cause I was, as you were thinking that I'm going, yeah. Okay. So that's different. Cause I've been on this quest cause I'm abstinent okay. and yeah. I've been on this quest to heal my relationship with sex and because it's not a fun relationship it's not it's it's a hot like even when it's like it, it's it's supposed to be like right or you know yeah something 
that's nice and pleasant, it shifts quickly. And so I have been abstinent for a long time now. Well, a long time for me, but it's been, I mean, months and months and months, but it's, the problem is that it, it, I think I'm healing from it is the point. Perfect. Yeah, I'm healing from it because of you helped me realize something just in this conversation that I'm getting better. I'm not all the way, but I'm getting like I'm getting better with it. But I do have this small fear that the minute that I'm attracted to somebody that, that I'm attracted to, you know, this woman that we're going to start dating. Right. I'm, my frightening fear is what it's always triggered Dude. in the past. For all oh my God, I, I'm so with you. I went through that phase. I went through exactly that. You know the nightmares I used to have about what? three, four years ago that I had casual sex with somebody. That was my fucking nightmare. That's that a- I broke through abstinence and I had disconnected sex with somebody. It was that's how much fear I had around sex. So so yeah, I have I have had that with intimacy. I'm so ready. I'm not even kidding. I'm so ready. <laughs> 190 percent intimate like that is this goal of mine because i've never been that guy the biggest fear the challenge that i get to face right now in my life and this is what i'm preparing myself for amongst other things but what i'm preparing myself for is to face the biggest fear of my life that is being a good father that's being a good father and a good husband and just an overall good family man because i'm 39 years old and i've never been one Mm. And I get I get to change that. That is the man that I'm preparing myself to be so that I can be that because I want a family. Fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. And I can't do that sleeping around. Let me ask you a question right now. How sure are you that you're going to get that? 190% sure. Okay. Perfect. Perfect. Beautiful. Oh, I know it. I don't even I don't even think it. I know you feel, it. You feel it. You all it's there. Yeah. It's there. Let me ask you another question. What if that didn't happen in this life? That would be fine. Perfect. Because I, my, my number one focus is my faith. That becomes before everything to me. Beautiful. My faith is the number one thing in my life. Brother, I'm at the same place. And I remember for a lot of us, we really want to be with somebody and we believe it. And if we can't let go of a life without it, you know, like you have, that is also an issue. And that is such a beautiful place to be because I feel like anybody that's on this soulmate quest, we have to truly believe we deserve it and feel it in my bones, in our bones. Because to me, like I feel the woman of my dreams and I haven't even met her. And even if I, and even if I die tomorrow, you know, before my last breath, I'm like, yeah, I felt who she was, even though I didn't meet her. Let me ask you something though. So say you meet this girl and you have a good time and you're and you go on a date, you guys go home, you have amazing sex. Yeah. You know in your brain that she's not the one for you. Mm-hmm. But you like having sex with her. Yeah. And next thing you know, you're showing up her house the next night, the next night, you're calling her when you're drunk, next night, next night, you're showing up. Now you're having sex all the time and now you've got yourself in a sexual relationship and the woman of your dreams that you were waiting for you missed because your face was buried in someone else's crotch absolutely absolutely so that's what about the, that isn't that a reason to wait that 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 is too you know my friend josh my 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 friend joshua uh he talks about you know whenever you say yes to something that's not meant for you you're oh. pushing the thing that is away so good right so say that one more time. Whenever, whenever you say say that one more time. Whenever you say yes to something that's not meant for you, you're pushing the thing that is away. That's so good. Right. So, so let me just say this: um, if you're going to have a casual relationship with somebody, it just doesn't need to be. It can't be meaningless sex. It needs to be something that makes you a much better lover, much more connected. So the relationships that I've had made me a better human being. They made me more open. I was like, wow, okay, I could achieve this level of intimacy in sex. So, so yeah, so if it's just, you know, you're just going ahead and 
knocking boots and getting nothing out of it that that's destructive so let me just put it this way my last relationship that i had um was me and this woman you know met at a uh, spiritual medicinal retreat it was not even somebody i was looking to date but it just happened and the first the second weekend we spent together um uh, we spent in bed 16 hours having sex 16 hours and it was like I would have eaten. I would have eaten um, through. And it, and, it, and it was just the most conscious and amazing connection that I've ever experienced. And keep in mind, I'm in. I can't believe it's triggering me right now. I, okay. I, so, I can't believe that this is not a trigger right now. This okay. is so strange. So, so let, me, let, me, let me say this. I would be in bed with her. And I was, I was this, you know, what I had an intention. I'm like, I'm going to treat this woman like she's a woman of my dreams. We decided on a casual relationship. I'm going to treat her like she's a woman of my dreams. And what if this was the last time I get to connect with another human being? And in three days, the world is coming to an end. Is it not giving the woman a false impression of love, though? Me and her already had this conversation. Okay. Okay. We That's very. We were v so here's what it was. I basically it's told. Like, her, it's basically like you're. It's like a hooker with that gives you the girlfriend experience. Perhaps. <laughs> perhaps. Yes. So for me and her, uh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. That's inappropriate completely. I'm sorry, but it's, <laughs> it's, it's the best analogy I could come up with. At the uh, time. Okay, oh. fair enough. I'll, I'll take that. <laughs> Lord, forgive me. I'm sorry. I think that was inappropriate. Oh, my gosh. All right, go ahead. Sorry. So, so, me, so with us, you know, our intention was we have no expectations, but we have an intention. Yeah. That, that's what we went in with. We were not expecting anything from one another. We're really open in the way we communicated. Uh, she was not, I want to have kids and get married. And she was not at that place. And, uh, you know, we decided we had a wonderful connection. Let's just explore. And, and, it, and let me just put it this way. I, as a human being, you know, the few weeks that I spent with her, I changed. Like there were parts of me that were so rough that just got smooth out smoothed it out and even the dreams that i was having around her were like of my childhood and how i feared intimacy and it was just such a beautiful thing that opened up where like sometimes she, she just hold me and i'd be sobbing and i'm like i don't know why i'm sobbing i'm letting go of something and to find somebody that held that space was so amazing for me and i felt it got me closer to where i needed to be Fair enough. Right. So that, I, so I that, thought, again, what if you miss the woman of your dreams? Yeah. Well, the question is not looking back with forward. And I felt, you know, at that point, like I, you know, even with casual sex, you got to be, you, even with a casual relationship, you got to be called to it. And if you don't feel a calling and it's just, is it that hormones? Brother, my let me just put it this way. Let me just put it this way. That's hormones, right? Let me just put it this way. The most within the last two or three years, the most attractive women that I've had the opportunity to have sex with in my life, I said no to. Because there's something in me that basically said that's not where I need to go. And and in actuality, you know, if you could actually feel the emotional component of it. And just, you know, casual sex just doesn't mean much to me. I have to have some kind of emotional, spiritual calling towards that. Sure. And, you know, so I use that to, to heal. I, that's, that's the way I look at it. It was, you know, as far, if you just tell me it's casual sex and you're just, you know, venting off your sexual energy, that doesn't do much for me. God, I don't, I just, I don't miss it. I don't, I'm being honest. No, brother, perfect. I'm not saying that this is for you. Oh, I know. I, and I can only, I'm only can speak for myself. It's just, and I remember the mindset that I, that I had 
and it's like this it's like hunting okay exactly exactly so let me just and, put it this way um you know we talk about the polyamorous community which is so disconnecting for me like whenever i come across somebody who's you know talking about polyamory i'm like fuck dude but you know i have to have some kind of acceptance towards that too because if truly you know they're better people because of the relationships that they're in that's actually the measure you could be sell you could be committed to the woman of your dreams and still be toxic i agree with that you know there are people you know my grandmother and grandfather you know were together for 40 50 years and at times they were not good for one another and you know so so i you know and and they're they're married they're people that are going to die together that actually didn't call each other forward and actually bought out the worst parts of one another in them and they couldn't leave each other because they just didn't want to be alone yeah marriage is such an interesting i you know I, i'm in a i'm in this place in where i've tried to do relationships on my own and failed miserably. I mean, mind you, completely different person. What about what do you mean by relationship ships on your own? Well, well, what I what I'm leading to is I'm a firm believer now in having God first in a relationship. Okay. Just like God first would be first in my life, because I'm able to surrender everything too. So if I can surrender my you know financial stuff, the show, my my ego, if I can surrender in full to to Christ to God, then if in a in a relationship I should probably do the same thing because if it's working in my life, then what does it do for the relationship? And and it, it, it also I believe that it allows you to be able to be able to give anything, surrender anything, like any problem, be able to pray through it, being able to you know pray together, which is really really powerful, and having those kind of things. At, in the at the forefront of the relationship, I think that that dramatically incre increases the success rate of the relationship. Mm. Mm. It just binds you to something because I know when I do try to do anything on my own fruition, I fail miserably. Like I just wreck it. But when I practice and started up it dramatically changed everything and it allowed me to start healing and working on the parts of my life that I needed to like my relationship with sex so that I can become the man that I was created to be. Mm. And this is where like, I respect your journey and I respect the fact that you are coming out of it from a place of truly respecting women. For me, as you were communicating, it was so unsettling for me because of thinking about not in judgment about myself about how i viewed sex and how i weaponized sex how i disrespected sex and the importance of the the, the true connectedness and the, the beauty that it can be i polluted it in a very very bad way so i was just thinking about how soulless i was with it all Brother, and it, it was really sickening for it was hard for me because I don't want to be that anymore. Like the next, yeah. the next naked woman I see, I want to be the woman I spend the rest of my life with. Absolutely, that's what I want. Absolutely, absolutely. I I, I so connect with with that because I was at that, um, you know, two and a half years into celibacy, I, I just you know, I had the intention that I'm not going to come out of this until I beat the woman of my dreams. Because casual sex, it just disconnects me. It, it's going to put me back in my funk and so forth. And then I actually realized that I was connecting with women a lot better and something shifted. Now, you know, the fact is that, you know, you know where your journey is going to take you. And, you know, when somebody asked me, hey, should I go celibate or should I go and explore intimacy? Well, it's a really personal decision. And believe me, what you're talking about right now, I've been there, mm -hmm. you know, Two and a half years into my celibate my celibacy experiment that's really where i was at because i really didn't think that you could have a connection you know you could have a spiritual connection being casual with somebody so when that happened i came back the next the next morning i'm like what just happened like my 
my view of just sex just changed on a dime. I, I was, you know, it was such an amazing experience. It made me question life and life itself. I'm like, how did that happen? Here I was this guy that extracted things and mm -hmm. I had this moving spiritual experience. Like I saw God in a woman's eyes and, and I'm like, dude, what the fuck was that? So, um, so yeah, I, I, I actually feel that, you know, just listen to yourself and you're the right journey, man. Like you, that's really what it is, but, yeah. and you know, how good of a place you're at. And for me, I know that as long as I feel that I'm a better person after being with somebody, then, then that, yeah. that relationship has accounted to something. Absolutely, man. Ollie, this has been fun, bro. I must check out his point. You guys did some really good comments. Um, it'll show up here in a second. Here we go. There we go. You guys check this out. The link's in the comments. It's a really good blog. Um, I really love what you're up to, man. Do you have anything that you want to plug real quick? Yeah, so my current website is uh, just getting a revamp, or just about is. It's called The Spirit of Poise. And, um, you know, from alizan.com. Dot net. I'm going to be going there. So if you know anybody wants to connect with me, any of these websites is fine. The other website's my professional website for the services that I offer, um, and what have you. Um, yeah. So that's you know pretty much it in a nutshell. And for everybody who's going through a similar experience of finding themselves, I think it's really important for us to go read, seek knowledge. You know, I'm sure you know yourself, Joshua. Like you know, it was a process and it was an experience <laughs> yeah so this stuff is not going to happen overnight and uh, yeah. you know i feel a lot of women are really frustrated about men not stepping up and it takes some time so be patient with us and for men be patient with yourselves but this is out there like you know me if i was listening to this podcast about five years ago i'm like what the hell is this cat talking about my younger self would be totally dumbfounded <laughs> he, he would be <laughs> So, but yeah, deep down inside, you know, if you do the work and, you know, you let go of, you know, all the things that you fear, because this year, my, my intention is actually to be celibate this year. And the theme of this year is to experience what it, what it feels like to be dial to die alone, but be happy. Wow. Enjoy my friend. Thank you again. Hi, right, brother. Love you, man. Love you too, bro. Take care. Good to see you. Wow, that was fun. It was really interesting. I like that. And like, I love having challenging, uh, you know, views sometimes. I mean, there were some things I told him before the show. It was like, I agree with you 100% on some things and like 80% on others. So I, I just, I enjoyed that. I enjoyed that. And uh, really nice guy and a lot of fun. So yeah, I appreciate him coming on the show. Uh, thank you guys so much for uh, joining today. And again, just to let you guys know the direction we're going for the show. So this is for the radio audience, the podcast audience, streaming television, Facebook, and YouTube. Um, I'm putting this out there. Like if you're the head of a nonprofit or you want to connect me to the head of the nonprofit, the series of interviews that I'm doing on the show for the, like the, the whole direction is going, is going to be interviewing the heads of nonprofits to share the stories from these different organizations from all over the world to give exposure to some of the, the people that really need it, the people that don't have the marketing budget to be able to, to promote, to promote themselves, to get the attention. Um, you know, there's a bit, bit of a monopoly in the, <clears throat> in the nonprofit space. I mean, there's some of these giant organizations, oh my gosh, some of these smaller guys have no chance of getting the resources that they really need. So if I can do my part and give them, you know, this exposure, that's what we're going to do. So I appreciate you guys making uh, referrals on any nonprofits uh, that you choose. You guys can just direct message me here or email me at jtb at theworldsmayor.com. And you can find that. Um, it's on my website here. So you guys can check that out. Um, I'm excited about this week's show. I'm excited that this week's shows with some amazing guests. I'm going to do a couple solo shows. Um, you know, and just coming up, we have some amazing organizations scheduled already. So thank you for your support on me, helping me find the nonprofits. I'm also going to be teaching, uh, you know, when I do solo shows, it's going to be applying 
or teaching, what I've been learning, the stuff I've been working on in my quiet time. Um, and and it, it's going to be fun. I, I'm just really, really grateful for all the support, uh, the people that, you know, started supporting the show, um, you know, a year and a half ago when it was just being done on a phone. And I'm, I'm just really grateful for you guys uh, for making all this happen. So appreciate your support. God bless you guys. And um, have a great day. Thanks.